0: Hey guys, I'm AP and I'm your girl Black Mamba and we are the hosts of the hate journals a weekly comedy podcast We know we aren't the only ones that get annoyed by the daily grind and lately There's a lot to be annoyed about and we get it Join us each week as we roast and toast all the things that we love to hate Nothing is off limits as we rant rave and laugh our way through our own experiences current events and so much more So tune in weekly to listen to us wherever you get your podcasts or check us out on our website at thehatejournals.com. That's right, guys. Let us help you get you through your week every week with the Hate Journals podcast. We hope you enjoy. Bye. Bye. Welcome to the show, everybody. I see things a little differently. This week is going to be absolutely packed. You won't be complaining about 15 minute episodes. <laughs> Not this week. I'm going to do my best to keep this under two hours. We're going to do an NXT War Games review. AEW just blew everybody's mind and um, made impact relevant for the first time since the broken hearty stuff, um, in my opinion. Um, but first, and we're going to have this broken down into sections. Um, first, we lost uh, a true, true, true legend in Pat Patterson. He had cancer. He died at 79 years old. Loved a full life for sure. In um, these times of air quotes, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me doing it. Uh, war whether you are a full-fledged aew new japan impact roh anything but wwe fan or if you're the opposite you're a hardcore wwe fan and nothing else no matter what you like similar dusty roads and i know how you always hear about the dusty finish that impacts every company because every company uses the dusty finish and in case you don't know what the dusty finish is it's when you pin somebody, their foot's on the rope, the ref doesn't see it. They ring the bell so you think that person's won, but you know they haven't won. Then all of a sudden the ref sees a foot in the rope and, and reverses the call. That's called the Dusty Finish because Dusty Rhodes did it all the time. If you counted how many world titles he won without winning, it's like 15 or 16. But he's only a three-time world champion because he always had the Dusty Finish. Um, Pat Paris is the same way. One of the best finishmen in, in in wrestling history, but it goes beyond him being a, a great Finnish guy and helping talent to how to finish. This guy was, this man was a history. He was just walking history every time. He um, main evented WrestleMania one. He was a referee. Uh, he main evented WrestleMania eleven as a referee for that match as well. Bam Bam Bigelow versus uh, Lawrence Taylor. But, bes- but beside that, he was a great wrestler. He was a great singles wrestler and a great tag team wrestler. Um, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Uh, I And he, he's tried for years, the Blonde Bombers, him and Ray Stevens. He's tried for years to get Ray Stevens to, to get into the Hall of Fame to no avail. He's in the Hall of Fame. But once again, he was Vince McMahon's right-hand man for how, however many years. He was right there... Booking TV with Vince McMahon. Um, But he's been trying to get Ray Stevens into the Hall of Fame for years. I still don't think Ray Stevens is in the Hall of Fame. And let me look that up really fast. Because I I just don't believe he is. Because I remember reading articles about him. Um... He passed away in 96. Yeah, he's not in the WWE Hall of Fame. No. Um, But I know he tried for years to get Ray Stevens in the Hall of Fame. He's more than willing. Maybe now that he's passed away, the the Blonde Bombers can go in posthumously. Um, But one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Obviously, we all know that he was the first Intercontinental Champion from the made-up. Well, if you don't know. The the tournament in Rio de Janeiro was always made up. It was never a tournament. He was given the Intercontinental Championship for for the first time because they trusted him with the belt. But the the real story behind it is the WWF was merging two different championships, and that's how he got the Intercontinental title. It's from them merging two championships. And when it came down to who they were going to give the belt to, there were thoughts of doing a tournament, not in Rio de Janeiro, just a tournament altogether, but they, they couldn't get things together in time. They wanted to debut this championship. And because Patterson was so trustworthy, worthy, excuse me, they just handed it to him and they made up this backstory that lasted for so many years. Um, but there's obviously never um, a tournament, but he is the first recognized intercontinental champion, uh, whether it was given to him or not it doesn't really matter people people have been given belts over the years I mean t- for me it doesn't diminish his championship run for some people it might and, and that's fine um but that's just your opinion the same way it's just my opinion um he created the royal rumble and for those of you who don't know the royal rumble never was it wasn't meant to be a pay-per-view um, Vince McMahon actually hated the idea when it was first pitched to him. Well, then USA network came to him and said, Hey, uh we have a slot for you. Do you, do you have anything you can give us, you know, for TV? And so Vince had nothing at the time. And said, Hey Pat, tell me your stupid idea for this world rumble crap. So Pat pitched it. They loved it. And the first one was on USA, which is why the first one was 20 men, only 20 men. Um, And the first two actually, no, the first three actually meant nothing. They were just matches. And it wasn't until the fourth where the winner would then, well, even then the fourth. Because the first four winners was Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Big John Stud, Hogan Hogan. And really, and Hogan was world champion the the first time he won. And the second time he won, um... Uh, he he went on to face Warrior. Uh, was it Warrior or Savage? Who did he face? Uh, I'm, my timelines are off because when he because when he faced off with Warrior, Warrior was Intercontinental Champion, and yeah, he faced uh, Slaughter. Excuse me, sorry about that. Yeah, because the first time he was champion, that's when you had the face off, but he won, lost the Mania. The next year he won, defeated Sergeant Slaughter. Anyways, um, but the first two years, it meant nothing. The first one was only 20 men. Hacksaw Jim Duncan won the first Royal Rumble. Second one was obviously Big John Studd. But the first two really didn't have anything, you know, going off with it. And the third one had no real stakes until you got to the Hogan Warrior moment where they faced off for the first time and you're like, oh, here we go, you know. Um, but it wasn't really until, and even then, the fourth year, it wasn't announced he's was getting a world title match. Like, the first thing they really announced it, if I'm not mistaken, was the Yokozuna Royal Rumble, where they said, hey, the winner gets a guaranteed shot at the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. That was the first time they really announced it and made a big deal of it. Um, but he's the creator of the Royal Rumble. Um, no one's ever taken credit for that, <laughs> except for no them him um also one of the greatest feuds in wrestling history and i'm sure they're gonna put on the network now was between pat patterson sergeant slaughter they went to war they they actually had a match of the year um uh, given to them not given they they earned it obviously but um pat patterson um the the gimmick that slaughter had at the time was he would pay a whopping ten thousand dollars to anyone that could break the camel clutch similar to what happened with chris masters when he was doing the master lock gimmick in in 2006 whoever could break it you know whatever right well no one could break it and and pat patterson comes along he comes inches away from breaking the camel clutch and because slaughter is so insulted he's so incensed by this he begins to beat passing down and, just, and that leads to this just all-out just, just all war uh between the two they had some great matches the first time i'm obviously this is all before my time as well i remember these matches though because when i first got into wrestling my grandfather would say these names to me he's the one who got me into wrestling my grandfather would say these names to me and i and, and i just so happen to remember them so when i when i became a tape trader there were certain things that people just had from their parents and their grandparents watching wrestling, so I have seen a lot of those things like on old VHSs, and like I'll be like, oh, and it was grainy, it was probably terrible uh, quality. Now that I think about it, but I remember watching some of those matches, and I'm pretty sure now with the HD quality that I'm just gonna wait for them to put it up, but that's a match I would highly recommend. Um, those matches because they they went to war with each other. It was. Uh, Really good. Um, but uh, later on in years, outside of being Vince's right-hand man with Booking, the thing that he's probably best known for isn't any of the things I named before, outside the Eric title thing, was him becoming one of the Stooges with Gerald Briscoe. That is when he probably, <laughs> he probably had the most camera time. Um, it's clear he enjoyed doing it. Gerald, Jerry Briscoe said he enjoyed doing it. Um, those guys just were so entertaining, having uh brawn panty matches for the, for the hardcore title and just some of the silly stuff that they were doing um, led to classic television, in my in my opinion. Um, but throughout all this, he's been a legend, he's helped out tons of talent, so that's why I said he transcends any war that you guys are are, are having or anyone else has, like, he helps so many people in AEW, whether it's the Chris Jericho's, John Moxley's, whether it's the, who else can I think of? Who the, who knows who else he worked with? Because most of those people have most people have have had twenty year careers. I'm sure they've passed Pat Harrison at some point in time. He's always been willing to give uh, his opinions, his advice, and I will recommend going and checking out a classic Steve Austin interview. It was from his early days of his podcast where he had Pat Patterson on. Just really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Coming out of Pat Patterson. I remember listening listening to that podcast. It was the day after it dropped, actually. And I was driving from um, Atlanta to Maryland. And um, that's how I made those two trips back and forth. Was listening to the Steve Austin podcast and some of those interviews. Um, But... Uh, We lost a legend, and unfortunately this year, of course, it left us with a a nice big kick in the pants, huh? Uh, As we wrap up this year, guys, one more time, I guess. um, Right before we get these vaccines and everything, so... Uh, Rest in peace, Pat Patterson. Thank you for the memories, and uh, I I will do my best to transition uh, to something less depressing, sad, but he needs... To be, he needed to be acknowledged, in my opinion. So, rest in peace, sir. It's so, let's just get right to it. Um, obviously, the news of the week, the show of the week. As I record this, this is as I record this. This is Saturday night. I am doing a war games review, so the war games review, ah, review will be after this, but. As far as like a non pay per view show, AEW's Winter's Coming show obviously is a thing that everyone is talking about, and um, for good reason. Um, I it's funny, little backstory. This was the first show I've watched live in eight years. Anytime I've watched wrestling because I don't like dealing with commercials and I don't like the constant, um, <sighs> all right, I don't want like commercials. Once I got a DVR, I said, I'm just going to DVR everything and watch it when I want to. Just convenient, right? Then it began that didn't you know, I think because when did Raw go three hours was it in twenty, it was like twenty thirteen or something like that, and um, I remember vividly saying to myself, "Once it went three hours, I can't watch this show live. It's just too much. Pay per views I can watch live. It's just, a, it's just a different feeling, right? It's a pay per view. But Raws, Smackdowns, AEW, I just don't like commercials, and I just don't like the constant stop and go, especially when I'm enjoying a match and then they go." Like AEW does it, and it's like kind of annoying to me. If you're gonna go to commercials, go to commercial. Like you go to a commercial, then it's like picture and picture. Some people like it. I hate it because then I'm like, all right, now because it still takes me out of the flow of things. Um, but I do understand why they have commercials. I just don't. If I have an option of not dealing with them, I won't deal with them. So what happened was I start. I, I was. I decided, you know what? No, someone I know has cable service and um, on the TNT app, I can download it on Roku, Roku and, you know, watch the show. I just so happen to not be doing anything else on Wednesday night, but actually prepping for the show. Plus, I really wanted to see that main event for several reasons. I text Jonathan Esther... Before the show started, my prediction, I just had this weird feeling. And so I said, I'm going to watch it live. So you download the app on the Roku, and then you verify that you have the actual cable service, blah, blah, blah. So this is the first wrestling show on television I've seen live in eight years. And boy, oh boy, um, was I impressed. Was I happy. Um, I would normally go through everything i think i am but let's just start with the thing everyone's talking about there's two things one the sting debut now some people had told me they had seen rumors about this i'm not on the wrestling boards uh, or dirt sheets whatever you want to call them like i used to be i'm just not it's just um it's just not what i want to do with my time most of the time like if I have time, I may check a board here or there, but even then, usually, like the like, Twitter will give me an announcement, and I just kind of read it. I just don't have the, I guess, the energy to go through that again. Like I just, I just didn't see any rumors. I didn't know. Now was I surprised? No, because I remember back in June, WWE stopped selling Sting's merchandise. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. He does not read up. It's not surprising considering how they used him. So, whatever, right? Anyways. Um. So apparently there was been rumors for weeks that Sting, you know, was gonna sound AEW. The way he made his appearance here, I I don't know where this is going. I have no clue. Um, this was after a, a really a basic tag team match. It was very underwhelming tag team match between darby allen cody rhodes and team taz um where darby allen and cody rhodes won it was very i was expecting more and for them and for cody and darby to get the clean win was like all right that's cool i guess but it just for me i just i think i was expecting more so it came out of nowhere even though it was pretty much a basic television tag team match and then afterwards the team taz beat down they're beating everybody down and And the one thing I did say to myself was, it's clear they're stalling. Because, like, Powerhouse Hobbs was sitting there with the FTW title for, like, at least a good minute. And, like, Brian Cage and uh, Ricky Starks are not not paying a man attention, even though Taz is is trying to direct traffic. And I was like, alright, what's happening here? Who else is coming out? Lights go out. All of a sudden, you see the sting and the fake snow. And the music is pretty badass, actually. I like the, I like the new music they have for him. Um, it seems like it's a sample of his previous WCW music, which they obviously can't use because WWE owns that. Um, by the time Sting came out, though, Team Taz was already gone. It was just Dustin, Cody, Arn, and Darby. And he just went face-to-face with all of them. Arn said something to him. I couldn't read his lips to see exactly what he said. Uh, Dustin just like looked at him. Cody just looked at him. Him and Darby going face to face was pretty cool. Um, but I don't know what you do with him because I don't think he's gonna be a manager. And I I do have uh, I, uh, faith in AEW strictly because they have shown what they are willing to do with their legends. Their legends don't take up you know all of the time there are more management roles where they're best suited i think arn's the only one that really gets his hands dirty um according to dave Melzer, sting will not take bumps but he will be a full-time employee what that means i don't know i'm sure we'll find out i don't think we need a general manager because you kind of already have cody in that role you know what i'm saying like you know he's not a general manager cody's kind of seen as the authority um so i don't know apparently tony Shavani will interview sting uh it was really cool to hear tony shivani say it's sting um it's sting how he does it in his raspy voice um so we'll hear more this wednesday um i'm super interested to hear what he has to say um but obviously that was one thing of the week second thing was and here's why i want you to tell my second story I text Jonathan Astor. I say, I just get this funny feeling. This was, was, so I'm on Mountain Time, so the show starts at 6, right? So I text him around 5.30. I say, hey, one, I've been saying Omega's going to win. Even though they say he's not going to Wrestle Kingdom to to wrestle, Kenta's teasing a match between him and, and Moxley. So I would have to imagine if he's not going there, then Kenta's coming here and getting that U.S. championship from around the waist, uh, uh, from off the waist of Moxley. I would have to imagine. So here's the thing. I text him, 5.30, mountain time, 30 minutes for the show, saying this funny feeling Don Callis is interfering and we're getting a full-fledged heel turn tonight from Omega. He just gave me a thumbs up or whatever, but I called that. I had no clue at that point in time that Callus was going to be on uh, TV. I definitely didn't see the the real swerve at the end of it. I didn't see any of that coming. But I just, that whole thing at, was it full gear? Or was it all out? Wherever wherever he was, where they had that, uh, yeah, it was full gear. That just, it rubbed me. In the wrong slash right way, it rubbed me in the way it was like, he's on TV, that's cool. And I get there working with other promotions, but he's on t- him him on being on TV saying he's friends with Kenny Omega for 27 years or however long he said he was friends with Omega. It's like who cares? I don't need the background of the VP of Impact. I don't need to know more about the Impact VP than I know about the talent. You know, I know what's going on in Impact because I watch it every now and then. I was super excited when Rich Swan won the TNA or Impact Championship. And I liked De- Deanna Purrazzo. But I. Something just. Ugh. At Full Gear. And that's why I texted that. And sure enough, first of all, what a match they had. And I loved the, I loved the whole gentleman's agreement thing. That wasn't going to last. Um. I like the match. For it to be Moxley's first loss, it just, of course it made so much sense for him to do to lose in this, the wrong kind of way. Um, obviously, the cleaner is back. Um, these two just have great chemistry, though. Um, but then in the end, is a thing that everybody's talking about. And apparently, according to Meltzer, it's gonna be pre-recorded interview between Kenny Omega and Don Callis. And it's gonna be a one-off, um, and it's not gonna to lead to any type of invasion role. But when Don Callis said, uh, "You'll find out Tuesday," and then they said, "Well, we don't we don't run TV on Tuesday. Well, you'll see it on Impact." Um, first of all, this is the most buzz Impact has had. I think I said before, this is the most buzz Impact has had since. The Broken Hardy stuff. And that's me being nice. Because that was Matt Hardy buzz. And the Broken Universe buzz. You know. Um, But really. Being on the radar with all wrestling fans. I don't care if you hate AEW. You have to respect what they're doing right now. And Triple H has come out and said they're willing to work with. Other promotions. As long as it has WWE. But obviously. Like no one has ever said WWE or any of these people should lose their business model just to help someone else. That makes no sense, even though they have done it in the past. When they were taking ECW talent, unless it was top talent like Taz or RVD or Sabu, they were losing most of the time to WWE. Also look at look at look at the most controversial thing that ever happened where they had a contracted WWE talent. Taz, go to the ECW arena to face the ECW champion, who's a WCW contractor wrestler, Mike Awesome. Taz wins the ECW World Heavyweight Championship just to go on to SmackDown to lose to the WWE champion via pinfall. Why do that match? You you shouldn't have done that match at all. The same way I asked why do Keith Lee And Bobby Lashley. And there's a new rumor saying Keith Lee's going to eventually get that United States championship. But the way it's looking after Monday is like Matt Riddle's getting the next shot the U.S. championship at TLC. So I would have to assume that Keith Lee's going to get the U.S. title shot between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. Now, that would be one hell of a WrestleMania match. Keith Lee and Bobby Lashley give them time, you know. Um, but who knows if these guys can wait. They have blue balls at the wrong time. They give you a cock tease at the wrong time, so who knows? But to me, the whole point of this is, whether you like AEW or not, you have to respect what they're doing. They're helping other talent out. They're helping other companies out, sharing their platform. No, No one on TNT, no executive on TNT cares about what that fuck Impact is doing. I didn't care what Impact was doing. You know, that's why I thought it was so weird we're getting to know the VP of the company. I was like, it's weird. He doesn't need to be on TV. Unless, intent. Um, but I didn't see that last part coming. And this won't be like an invasion thing, but it will be a few matches on TV. Apparently, the Good Brothers are already going to be booked, already set to work a tag team match there. And so we're not going to see title swap or anything, supposedly. This can always change. If things are if, if their ratings are going up and and merchandise is going, I believe Sting has sold the most merchandise in twenty four hour period in AEW history now. If it's compelling television, which this has started off to be, I, is, I have n- no reason to believe they won't do a strong joint show or something like that. Impact needs it. This is the most like I said. I'm being nice when I say this is the most buzz they had since 2016. I'm being nice by saying that, but it's, it's been it's probably been longer. For being honest, but I'll give them 2016 at least because my Hardy was under contract to TNA Impact, whatever the fuck you want to call him. But this was great. The match was great. The ending was great. The way Moxley lost, and now, honestly. What you can actually have Moxley do instead, you you do need to get a title match right away, because first of all, Hangman is taking that title from Omega. But you can have him chasing, but so many people now are just getting in his way, so it just distracts him from that goal. To me, you can do a, a roll reverse, not roll reverse, but the same kind of thing that happened with him and Seth Rollins when he turned heel, when Rollins turned heel in the Shield. If you remember, Reigns went in a completely different direction. It was Dean Ambrose and Rollins beefing for months. And finally, it took a hell in a cell where Bray Wyatt just showed up for no reason. We will never really explain why uh, Bray just showed up. But you can kind of have him being obsessed and wanting to get his hands on Omega. But other people are getting in his way. And because he's such a prize fighter and such a prideful fighter, he's like, all right, I'll, I'm coming... I, He'll never forget, but he'll come... He'll, he'll keep knocking people out until he gets his hands on Omega again. Because now they're 1-1. One and, one. and next time they fight, I don't think it's going to be for a title. But I think it's going to sell the score. And if you remember, Dean Ambrose technically got the last laugh on Seth Rollins when he cashed in Money at the Bank. Um, just moments after he won, Seth Rollins won the WWE Championship. Um, so to me, this was great. I... I love the rub that gave the impact, which they didn't need to do. They really didn't. But I love it. Um, I love the storytelling as well. The gentleman's agreement that Kenny Omega couldn't keep. The thing he was knocking Moxley on the entire time. He, just, he was knocking him the entire time. He had to do it to win the TNA. I mean, the AEW World Championship. Also, now we know who attacked him. We, this will lead to a, that's what I mean, like, he's guy, he wants to give Omega, but now we know what Impact Wrestler attacked him. Now, which Impact Wrestler would that have been? I don't know. You can go with Sammy Calhoun You can go with a number of guys. Uh, Moose. Whoever you think will fit best. I don't see Moose doing it, but my point is, it's clear that he, they, Kenny Omega said, hey, Don, you know, how about you have someone, uh attack my man moxley before a contract signing it sets up some interesting possibilities so those are the two main things out of this show otherwise to me the show was good but it was also a very basic show and i think that's what made those two moments stand out so much and so special that things just didn't overlap on you it was a good show but once again, that tag team match was basic. The match between Britt Baker and uh Hirsch was basic. But then you have Thunder Rosa coming in and continuing, which obviously is leading to a match between those two. But I mean, everything was kind of basic and led to something that just built and built. I feel like we we're playing Jenga and the characters that got screwed over in this <laughs> you know, things just fell for him. Um, but uh the, the Battle Royal they had to determine who's going to get the Diamond Ring. Um. I, I really love Battle I love me a good Battle Royal. Unfortunately, by the time I got all everything like settled in with, with the app and everything, I got the end where Orange Cassidy did win. So it's going to be Orange Cassidy versus MJF um, for the Diamond Ring, which I would have to. I don't think Orange Cassidy needs it, but I think it would torment MJF to lose it. So I'll go with Orange Cassidy, even though I think MJF should probably win it two years in a row just to have an ego, even more of an ego. Um, I can, I'll go with Orange Cassidy winning just to to, to further cement things being screwed up. And I can see Sammy Guevara screwing MJF out of it. So. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. I really think MJF is going to win. But I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Orange Cassidy, my official prediction. Um, like I said, everything else was basic, you know, but it was basic and it wasn't bad. So, uh, I don't really want to go over everything. I'm not going to go over everything else. You know, like Jericho beat Kazarian for the first time ever having a match. And very basic match. Um, but like I said, anyways. If you watch nothing else, watch the end of the, the tag team match between Darby Allin, Cody Rhodes, and the team Taz. And see it's that entrance from Sting. If it's not already online. And watch that main event. It was tremendous. So, that that is obviously the show of the week. Um... I'm recording this before I see war games with two war games matches. Those matches may top what you've seen on this AEW show, but, (laughs) um, but they won't top the moments. Those are moments of the week. Um, And what a way to end the year. Um, with a bang for them, I guess. Uh, let's go to Raw. AJ Styles. He will get the next WWE title match at TLC. Between him and Drew, that should be a really good match. That'll be a fun match. Um, as I was saying earlier, the reason why I think Riddle's going to get the next US title shot is because Lashley put him in the full Nelson and uh, or the Hurt Lock, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Because... Um, the last couple weeks, back and forth has gone MJ, ooh, MVP, and Riddle. And Riddle's been trying to, like, not, not join the team, but just show his personality. And um, Hurt Business has not liked it. Um, also, you, I would have to imagine a tag team championship match between the New Day and the Hurt Business after Cedric Alexander defeated Xavier Woods in a one on one match. And then he left the ring, jubilant over his win, completely leaving the Hurt Business in the ring. And he just left on his own. Maybe that might be the thing that causes them to never get the tag team titles, which will be. But I guess it doesn't matter because the tag team division is so in flux that I would assume these two teams are going to fight for the next month anyway. So whatever. Um, Mia Yim, she obviously is reckoning. She lost her mask like at the beginning of the match between her and Dana Brooke. And I wouldn't keep a mask on her anyway. This is stupid. As I said before. Um, she does lose to Dana Brooke clean some really weird wins in the women's division between that win Dana Brooke winning clean against Mia a.m. to Bailey tapping out clean to Natalia, which I Didn't see that coming. I don't think anybody did. Um, when's the last time Natalia even won with the sharpshooter? When matter of fact, when's the last time Natalia actually? Well, I guess she had to win the qualifying match to get into uh, Survivor Series. So that's, that's before then. I could not think of anything now. But um, anyway, oh by the way, Sheamus is so turning on Drew McIntyre. I can I can see him defeating AJ Styles, or better yet, maybe even giving a bro kick to Drew McIntyre, which leads to a triple threat match at Royal Rumble. I think it's gonna be more of a one on one match, but I can see him just cleaning Drew's clock soon. Uh, that's clearly the path they're going. Um, Lana then actually pinching in a basil, Another weird woman's thing. They really want to push Lana. It's just not working. Um, I was talking to a few casual fans who just watch wrestling because they may have gotten back into it because of the pandemic or whatever. Honestly, I just I just wanted to get their opinion on it. I don't think I've met one person or spoken to one person that actually likes anything about Lana being a baby face. Um, even if you say she's pretty, right? If that's all you say about her and she's a wrestler, there's a problem with that. I've I've never heard someone say, well, Rhea Ripley's pretty. I've heard them say, man, it's a badass wrestler. Um, I don't get it. Um. This this, this very much looks like it's leading. To a tag team championship match at TLC and Lana getting her first championship. I don't care. Um, Last thing from Raw, and then we'll hit SmackDown. And then after that, we'll hit the DJ, we'll let the DJ scratch it and we'll hit the the War Games review. Um, The last thing I'll talk about is the build to Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. Uh, Randy Orton seems to have uh, Bray Wyatt's number. When it comes to finding his weaknesses, first he burns down uh, Sister Abigail's house, um, and then he is holding Alexa Bliss, and Bray or the Fiend comes in the ring and demands her back. He gives her over and then jumps up the ring and says, "Who's laughing now?" The build; these two have always done a great job building. If you think about that match at WrestleMania that they have for the WWE Championship, that build. Started in December of the year before. Before Bray won the title. They won the the, the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. From uh, American Alpha I believe. Um, Luke Harper did not trust him. Uh, Bray wouldn't listen. Um, And then Bray ends up losing. The WWE Championship. At the WrestleMania. I I was at the WrestleMania. That match was not good. Um, I don't think they have good matches. I don't think they have good chemistry in the ring. Um, But their builds are always fantastic. To me. Randy Orton is like that, though. Orton has great builds. I can think of at least two more. That build to WrestleMania 25 between him and Triple H was powerful. It started with him kicking this Man in the head the week before the Rumble. I remember watching that match. At the time, I had a job that I had to be to at 1 every morning. So I would actually watch Raw like the next day. But I couldn't sleep. So I stayed up, I stayed up. And this is when Raw used to do the overrun. Raw went over by, like, I think they used to have 15 minutes. Because it was always blocked out till like, 11.15. And they rarely went the 15 minutes. They probably went the 10. As they got to doing three hours and they started doing more commercials, then they started taking off 15. But this one went, like, like to 11.25. And I remember my mom walked into a room. I was still living with her at the time. And she was like, you're not going to bed? You're going to be tired. I was like, I know. But there was something about this, and then Vince coming out, yeah. Randy smacks him, and then Randy kicked him. Um the build to it was just amazing, which then led to the Royal Rumble. Guess who won? Orton. And then the match through him and Troy, it just kept building and building and got more and more personal. Uh, Orton should have won that match. Um, but even with this one, the build was a the build was good. It wasn't as good as twenty five build, WrestleMania twenty five build, but it was really good though. Just the way Orton kind of was setting Bray up for the kill, you know. And I just don't think their match. I just don't think they have good chemistry. We've seen them wrestle a few times now, um, so I definitely feel like the build's gonna be better than the match. I, I, I'm kind of wondering if they're gonna. I hope. And pray they don't do a cinematic match. I don't want to be done to existence, but I'm hoping they don't. But I don't know another way that these two going an entertaining match because I just don't think they have entertaining matches together personally. So that's Raw. Let's hit SmackDown. Um, a couple things from SmackDown. Uh, Big E has a new interest now. I think Wale. I think Wale uh, uh, is rapping on it, and uh, he actually brought the chalk back. Before though, he this time he had like a bowl of chalk. Um, when he used to do the chalk himself, he would have his hands like this when he walked out of the entrance. He would. Uh and for those of you who don't remember, that's when he used to come out with AJ Lee. Um and next one he was aligned with them. I don't remember how he actually I think they just kind of separated them quietly. Because him and AJ didn't have like a breakup or anything. Um but yeah, he used to do the chalk a long time ago. Um So that's this is step one to that build. And it looks like we're getting it looks like we're getting him in the Air Continental title run first. And if that goes well, we'll see. Um, but if he's going for the Air Continental title now, I just don't see him winning I know some, I know so many people have big E winning the Royal rumble. I just personally don't see it. Um, but they could pull the Cena where Cena had a U.S. title and he had the U S title all the way to like, I think like, a month before mania or less than a month. And then he had a tight, a US title match with, um, Orlando Jordan, which gave away, not just that night, but WrestleMania Cena got completely screwed, lose the U S title, to Orlando Jordan, Orlando Jordan. Yeah. Orlando Jordan. And then he went on to beat, uh, JBL, but it w- they telegraphed that so much. Um, so that m- may be a thing they do. Um, we'll see. I mean, Roman Reigns is going to need people. Because right now he's going for Kevin Owens. And after that, Daniel Bryan's coming for him. After that, I don't know who you put in that match. It, I would assume it would have to be a SmackDown person that wins. But I know Vince has this hard-on for Raw, even though Raw is by far not the superior show. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but that was telling. Getting the new music, new entrance here we go the big experiment has officially begun in my opinion i know some people say it begun when kofi and woods were out no it's begun now he was still doing all the new day i know he still did the clapping earlier he'll get out of that that won't be there forever he'll stop doing it after a while and and do something else but it's begun now in my opinion um I, we already talked about bailey tapping out i it's clearly going for bailey and bianca Um, I just can't believe that Bailey tapped out. But the thing I want to talk about the most is this is still the Roman Reigns show. Kevin Owens came out, made a challenge. Jay, once again, getting out of line, you can just see the disgust on Roman's face and Roman is so calm. And like Paul Heyman just knows what's coming. So like he's constantly, the the faces Paul Heyman is showing, he's constantly showing the, the disturbing or the fear when Roman when Roman's calm to me, when Brock started talking is when you saw Paul Heyman have a, like all right what the what the what's going on. When Roman is not talking is when Paul is, you see look at his, look at his facial expressions. Just press, just press pause when Roman is not talking at all, and look at Paul Heyman's face. Paul is like, oh, oh shit, you know like he's like what's going on like why are you doing this, and Jay was getting Jay was just got out of line. He accepted the challenge. So later on in the night, it was going to be a tag team championship. Excuse me, tag team match with Otis and Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. And like in the back before the match, Roman hugged Jey, said, "I love you," but there's going to be consequences for actions. And I was like, "Oh, shoot. what were these consequences, right?" And so, first of all, Roman, and this just shows they make up the rules on the fly. Roman was not in the match. He didn't tag in. He goes on the outside. He Superman. Well, first of all, he Superman punches Otis. Then begins to beat down Otis outside with the steel steps. Why no disqualification at that moment, you ask? I don't know. But then he gets in the ring and puts on uh, the front face headlock. And then that's when the ref calls for the DQ. Whatever. Wrestling. (laughs) So after that, Jay and Roman wear Kevin out with steel chairs, just wear him out. But then Roman turns on Jay and just whacks him and begins to yell. How many times the guy said, say it? Keep your mouth shut, stay in line. He lays out Jay good too. He then drags Jay right next to Kevin. He grabs Kevin by the beard, says, you can take the title. You should have just taken the title. Like, I love how... You know when someone becomes a heel, they hold on to the title, they hug the title. It's like the it's their baby now. They can't lose it. And so, like, then that's what it becomes. They become kind of like, even if they're having a good heel run, it becomes that slimy, wormy heel. It feels that way. I think the last time we, I think when Punk was heel, the heel, I think he got to be like that. But then there was, but I think that was when he still had hope for his reign. If that makes sense, I think Punk was more when Punk was like you could tell when Punk had more creative control in his interviews because he it was more of a prop. But to me, The Undertaker had the right idea. For him, the championship was more of a prop. Him, you know, because so he didn't. It was a, a material thing, which was not part of that character. Right. Same thing with his Roman Reigns character even if you have the title his point in this whole thing is his family is too elite and you are not that's the that position is more vital than anything them just being at the top if you want the championship you can have it you're going to take a beating before you get it but you can have it that's not what makes you the face of the the company is his whole point which is why, if you notice, if think about even when he fought Jay, he saw Jay was like staring at the title, Jay wasn't getting what Roman was saying. Roman's like, you want a title shot? You're gonna have it. I don't give a shit. Same thing with Kevin. He's like, dude, you want the title? You should have just taken the title. But now you want my spot. Now you want to be the face. You can never be the face. You can never uh take my family's place in this business. So it's kind of like. The way he sees it in his world, if you want to hit it from a psychological point of view, it's like, yo, Samoans have always been underappreciated, but always been great workers. And people don't give us our due. They may give The Rock his due, but they don't give us our due. You get what I'm saying? So with Roman, it's 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 more of the title is not the face of the company. I'm the face of the company. My family, my lineage, my bloodline is the company. When you break it down like that, when you think about it, the psychology of it, it's genius, man, because a lot of times people will say that. How many times you hear in the wrestling business when people say the person makes a the title, the title can't make the person, or whatever bullshit, blah, blah, blah? When I think of wrestling, one of the top four or five things that come to my mind is Samoans. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's his point. Your only interest should have been the title, not my family business. But now that you have my attention, I'm going to take you out. To me, that's that's why I'm loving this. But see, I'm probably delving too much into wrestling. But to me, the psychology, I can't wait for you guys to hear my top 10 best things about 2020 and my top 10 worst things about 2020 later this month, just because I think that that's what it is. I think that's, I I, I think that's just a powerful thing when you have psychology and when you have to think about these things, like some people I've read this one article, no, it's one comment. It said, I didn't understand the chair shot to Jay. Jay was getting out of line. Why do you need to accept a challenge from Jay? You I mean, from, from Kevin Owens for a tag team match. Why, why are we wrestling on TV? We're prime time. We don't have to wrestle on TV. We wrestle when we want to wrestle. How many times has Roman Reigns wrestled on TV since he's been back? Yeah, he, 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 he was barely in that tag team match. That is Roman's point. You stay in line and listen. These things will come naturally. So I don't know uh still the best stuff on wwe television to me i'm not even gonna go over the nxt stuff i'm just gonna do the war games review like i said as i record this is saturday night before it so um we'll see how that goes but i'm not, this will be all one show i won't separate them um but yeah man if you're gonna watch anything this week watch the roman reigns stuff between him and kevin owens and ju so on smackdown watch the debut of sting and also Watch that Moxley Omega match. um I will say this, you know, and, and, and if, you, if you if you have extra time, watch the triple threat match from Raw that was AJ Styles, Keith Lee, and Matt Riddle. I do want to say this last known as Sting. So apparently, more and more have come out that before he left, before he let his contract expire, he had pitched to Vince that he wanted to do a cinematic match with The Undertaker. Uh, he was denied. And apparently he did not like the way he was treated when he was in WWE because the one thing he went there for was to have a match with Aaron Taker. No one was ever interested. And even if, even when it was brought up to Aaron Taker, he was never really interested. So, that's, that's not surprising. Um, his fears kind of came true that he wouldn't be treated well in WWE. He wasn't. That obviously bothered him. Uh, apparently he said to several people... He didn't like they lost his two big main event matches. He should have never lost Triple H. Um, So that's not surprising at all. Uh, But unfortunately, you can't go back in time. And maybe the bumps he does take, maybe it is a part of a cinematic match. You know, maybe he does get some something to do. Um, So I don't know, but um, that's unfortunate. But I think we all kind of saw it. And it's actually why. I was asked for years if I wanted to see Undertaker vs. Sting. I didn't want to see it if it wasn't going to happen between 2000, 2002 and 2008. Even though he was still having some decent matches in TNA. When he didn't show up, and then he did show up. The, the, his debuts have been amazing. Whether it's at Survivor Series or in Diamond. His debuts have been amazing. But it's been it was a follow-up. With WWE, that was the problem, which was everything he always expected it to be, which was them fucking him up. So that's unfortunate. Anyways, we're going to get to the third part of this show, which is the NXT War Games pay per view. See you on the other side. War Games! War Games! War Games! War Games! All right, let's get to it. I hope you guys enjoyed the show so far. Um, But before we get into the war games review. A couple of things I want to say. Uh, one it is reported that Riker, Jackson Riker will be released. He has a lot of heat on him when he put that Trump tweet out there. Now I'm never going to advocate for someone to be fired. Um, but he was already on thin ice with the gimmick they had. I didn't really find the forgotten sons to be too interesting, but you know, in this time of pandemic, and, maybe can, and obviously, he can always, re, uh, like, re, read... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, not reveal himself. Uh, reintroduce himself. Uh, but boy, oh boy, he did not help himself. So, we saw the, the two-thirds of the of the Forgotten Sons on Friday with uh, Baron Corbin. That explains that. Um... And last thing I want to do before Wargames, I really want to do is, I completely forgot about it, but I had it written down. So like when I started writing down notes for Wargames, I was like, oh, I didn't do that. I wanted to have a little fun with fantasy booking Rhea Ripley. Something I'll do every now and then. I have, I have an idea for like a, a, a list. It won't be a top 10, it'll be like, like the top seven, or whatever. Whatever I can think of um, for next month, right? Because. This, this i thought it wasn't gonna there wasn't gonna be extra content this month but like because i thought I, was, I thought for some reason i was like how can i run out of ideas for like the wednesday show i thought i ran out of ideas but i really didn't i just had to open my mind up and be more creative or whatever not more creative but i just had to open my mind up a little bit more anyways um so here's what i want to do I'm assuming this is Rhea Ripley's last month on NXT television. Hear me out. She has nothing to fight for. I understand her women's championship run was cut short, was ultimately uh, forgettable. Uh, It was sacrificed for a Charlotte Flair run. Um, Think about that, What you will. Not getting in that. Um, However... I want a fantasy book. So, and we'll get into this later, but her team did lose. Team Shotzi did lose the War Games match. To me, that's fine. her going out this way. Here's what I think should happen. She should join Raw, but not join Raw as a call-up just showing up. Join in the Royal Rumble. I've been looking at the Women's Royal Rumble match bailey's not gonna win it bailey had her year-long title run i don't know what they're gonna do with bailey next but well bianca Belit Bel be is next but i mean i don't know where her mania match is i have not thought of that but we will fancy book at wrestlemania um maybe next week on the show just fancy book where we think wrestlemania is gonna go um and how to set up the matches and the key matches not everything but like We'll try to do seven matches, right? Seven, eight matches. But to me, Rhea Ripley wins the Royal Rumble. She debuts in the Rumble. I'll say she debuts at, I'll say 26 or 27, right? Or matter of fact, no, that's the men's thing. The men's ultimate number is 27. Let's go with 23. I'm just throwing shit out there right now. But Rhea Ripley debuts at 23. She goes on to win. Now, here's my thing. Whoever she, whoever she eliminates last should be someone from Raw that she can feud with until she gets to Asuka. Asuka should not be losing that women's championship until WrestleMania. So my thinking is, whoever she eliminates on the Raw side of things, that's what she'll feud with. Now, do I think they can do the feud that she had with Shayna Baszler Justice like we saw in NXT? No. So I don't think that's who they should be doing it with. But I have a feeling that's where they would go. So I can see it being one of those things where it's the road to WrestleMania. Shayna gets eliminated last, right? After being eliminated last the year before. So now Shayna's pissed off, right? Now you don't need a women's elimination chamber match this year. They're going to have one, but you don't actually need one. Now you have Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley with Rhea Ripley's world title match on the line at WrestleMania, similar to a la 96 Shawn Michael's Owen Hart. All throughout, up to rest, up to uh, Elimination Chamber, you have Shayna just destroying Rhea. Choking her out. Rhea never gets the upper hand. Never, never, never. So, finally, after all these times she gets choked out and beat down and everything, now you think, now you like, you know Shayna Baszler, the killer, is back, Right? And what you do is you have her do some type of not a a small package or a roll up, but maybe the, the Bret Hart Austin 96 Survivor Series finale where a sleeper goes into a cover, pretty much the coquina clutch or the clutch. And that's how Rhea pins Shayna Baszler. So now it's like, oh, she came this close to taking a world title match. But she didn't. So now Rhea is is completely disregarded because, hey, I beat you. I didn't cheat or anything. I played within the rules, and I beat you. You're done, right? But that can set Baszler up to be her first challenger, or one of the first challengers. Um, I'm going to assume since 2020 was not the year that Baszler got a women's championship run, I'm going to assume in 2021 she will get at least one championship run, I would assume that's who she's going to beat. I don't think she's going to be... I, I personally don't think she's going to be Asuka anymore. Now, they, I, I can can I see them having Shayna Baszler win the Rumble? Sure. Um, but I could also see them still kind of feuding with uh, Asuka and Lana over the Women's Tag Team Championships. Because I just even when they win them, because Asuka and Lana are winning them at TLC, I don't see that team having those belts for a very long time i think they'll see it as a feel-good moment even though most people i know just don't care enough about lana not being mean that's just their opinion but then you have rhea ripley and oscar going back and forth finally oscar does the favors at wrestlemania and you keep those two far away from each other until because i think these these two could have a trilogy of matches but they can be separated though. The same way The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels were separated for so many years. That was for different reasons. But you can keep these two apart. But you can have in the back of Oscar's mind, Oh, you beat me one time. I owe you. The same way Becky did the same thing with Oscar. And that's how you and you can have these two fight. And sometimes for the title, sometimes not. But I can see them and if you keep them apart, they could actually Maybe even may have been event WrestleMania. I know that's highly a regular, or maybe not WrestleMania, just a pay per view. You know what I'm saying? That's still a big deal. So I, was, I wanted to say that, but now that I've given one of those ma- one of those matches away, we'll we'll do that sometime next month. We're we'll, we're doing one of the shows. I'll think about the storylines and all other stuff, and we'll fancy book arrest that WrestleMania card out. We'll probably do that the first week of January. So the so that way. It's we don't know anything yet, you know what I'm saying? So, but, anyways, let's get to NXT war games. NXT war games starts the kind of way I thought it was going to start with the women's war game match. Um, Dakota Kai and Ember Moon started. Uh, Shotzi came out next because the woman won the ladder match. Uh, the faces did so they had the man advantage or woman's advantage or whatever you want to call it, whatever is politically correct. Um, he immediately shots, he goes under the ring and grabs a toolbox. Um out next is Raquel Gonzalez who um is a monster. She she gets better and better. Um she reminds me of a and I don't mean this as a look wise, I mean just as far as like dominance wise, she reminds me of how they did Diesel in early in the early nineties. Like he like once Diesel got on a roll, like there was no stopping him until he won that world championship. And after the finish, I would have to think that's where they're going next. Um, first of all, there were some nice moves. Like, her and Kai just have, Dakota Kai just have a, a great chemistry. You could tell they work together. You could tell they, they, they like working together. You know what I'm saying? Like, Ka- Dakota Kai's on the top rope, and she's holding hands with Raquel. Dakota Kai jumps off, double clothesline. Nothing too fancy. I just thought it was cool, just the way her she did her thing. Um, Rhea Ripley was out next, and... And um, sorry about that. My TV threw me off because I don't usually have it on. <laughs> Rhea Ripley was out next. Dakota Kai gets tossed. Into, I I think Dakota Kai was the first one to get tossed into the cage in this match. And boy oh boy, did she just throw her body into it, dude. Um, Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez like they just have that like like this feud can transfer to the main roster if you allow it to. If you allow uh, good storytelling to happen, these two are just meant to me. I think these two are just meant to fight for a very long time. And here's the thing, right? For as good as Charlotte and Becky is, because they never want Charlotte to ever lose clean, to me, that takes away from her feuds so much. Because it's so much, it's just like kind of like, all right, even if she does lose, it's gonna be wishy-washy stuff. So for me, that kind of takes away from it, but these two are just two monster women, badass women that can just beat the hell out of each other and their opponents uh tony storm comes out next grabs a bunch of kendo sticks the, the part i really enjoyed in this match was how io she would come in she was shooting well, she was trying to come in she was grabbing weapons underneath she would throw them in every time she tried to come in raquel gonzalez would just like punch her out Close the door. Punch her out. Close the door. Finally, one time, uh, Eo threw a chair at Raquel. Raquel turns around. Eo uses the the cage to help lift herself up and then pretty much kick Raquel in the face. But then Raquel still recovers. Boom. <laughs> Finally, last out was Cancel Ray. Her, she's like Eo's like talking to her and they're thinking it's, it's, Eo's thinking they're about to fight. And all of a sudden, Indy Hartwell comes out. She's still wearing a neck brace. For God's sakes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> She, she hits EO and then they like they lock the cage so that EO can't get in but here's the problem with that war games can't officially start until every member of a team has gotten in the ring now I love this and and I'm I was trying to remember if this has ever happened in WCW before or in NWA I'm sure I'm sure they got it from somewhere. I, I I couldn't think of a War Games match, though, that had this happen, where the heels are beating down the faces. The heels have the faces beat. Candice goes for the, the pin. The ref says, you can't cover. You can't submit. EO needs to get in the ring. There needs to be every team member in before you can start the match. Well, all of a sudden, you look up, and Io's at the top of the cage. This crazy woman. People were worried about Shotzi Blackheart taking bumps. Io took the the biggest bumps in this match. EO then takes a trash can, puts it over her head and her pretty much her entire body because she's a tiny woman, and jumps off the top of the cage, pretty much as a truss dive on everybody. Um, that wouldn't be the last time she was in a trash can as Dakota Kai later on put her in a trash can and then did a double stomp, pretty much a coup de gras from the top rope on her and they couldn't they they, they struggled to get her out of it. Um, Io took some bumps in this match, man. It was. It was tremendous, but I just love that attention to detail that some people thought was over, but they was like, no, the match can't start until everyone gets in the ring. I just, I just love. To me, when I saw that, I was just like, oh, just great, great storytelling. How the heels were extremely wise, but at the same time, it just wasn't part of the rules, you know. So for, so for them being as smart as they were, it's a war games match, not a regular steel cage match. So anyways, another brutal bump. There was two bumps on chairs that were sitting up to, on this night that were, how they protected themselves, I'll never know if they even protected themselves. Ember Moon, does an eclipse, obviously, from the top rope. On Dakota Kai, on two chairs that are sitting up, O M G. I was I I just I tightened my entire body tightened up I was like, oh god that hurt um, the the infall came when Raquel Gonzalez power bombed like and she looked she looked like she had a little time, hard time struggling um, to get uh, Eo up and I, I think she was probably making sure she was safe but Eo had the to top of the cage and pulled herself up as well but uh, Raquel Gonzalez power bombed Eo through a ladder and then pulled her down and pinned her so. She pinned the champion in this match. I would have to assume um, that on... What's the name of that paper? That's not pay-per-view, but it's called New Year's Evil Show. On the 6th of January, I would have to assume that that's where she's going to get her NXT Women's Championship. And to be honest with you, they could do the... I don't know if they're going gonna to split her and Dakota Kai up. But I would assume that would lead to jealousy on Dakota Kai's part. And that's gonna i don't think it's gonna turn her face at all but she could say hey i don't need you little person get out of here um i don't know if they're gonna switch a title um on that night but i they've been pushing her pretty hard on nxt i i would have to assume she's getting that woman's championship I, and now this has been announced i'm just guessing that that's the night that she's gonna get a title match and she's gonna win that night just guessing they're gonna start the year with a bang um So overall, this was another strong women's match. And by the way, Candice LeRae, two years in a row, her team has won. This year, she was the captain. Last year, she was on team uh, Rhea uh, Ripley. But uh, two years in a row, she gets a win. So 2-0 for Candice LeRae. How about that? Um, Up next was Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. This was a brutal, stiff match, which is all of Timothy Thatcher's matches. His ear at one point was Bust, really busted he was his blood from his ear was all over uh Champa's arm and back he was completely uh, this this was stiff as hell um I think it came from a knee uh running knee from Champa but um Champa wins with a draping DDT uh this was a really good match uh Thatcher does lose a lot um but I don't think Champa's won a singles match since the year since what 20 2020. I don't think he's won one since he beat Aleister Black at Takeover, and that was almost two years ago. So he definitely needed a singles one, even though he won War Games. That was that's a team thing. That's whatever. I think a one-on-one singles match at Takeover Champ. I don't think he won it very. I think that's the last time he won. Uh, Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes uh, in a Strap match. I enjoyed this match. This match had a lot of time. And I don't know about you. I'm sure you guys will tell me if you guys gonna have a complaint about it. But in my opinion, I i think that um I, I think that um this match was really good. And, and the time didn't bother me. Uh I, I don't know. There's, there's something about it that like usually if, and once again, I think we're conditioned, or at least I'm conditioned as a fan of nxt that we're only gonna get five matches on these takeover shows it's gonna go three hours maybe three hours two and a half three hours but every match will have time so it's kind of like one of those things where you can never say with an nxt match you can say a finish fell flat right that's fine but you can't say they didn't have enough time i just don't think i've ever had that that feeling at an nxt takeover show or, or watching an nxt takeover show um some matches are better than the other but i just don't think that uh I just don't think that uh i've ever had that this match had a good amount of time uh dexter loomis won by making uh cameron grimes tap out um i don't know what you do with this dexter loomis character from here he plays a role tremendous um and i do know there's some drop plans with him a Velveteen dream because of dreams issues but i don't know where you go with him i could see cameron grimes well no maybe not now but um I don't know where you go with these two characters. I don't think they need another match. Grimes has lost twice. Um, But this was a good match. This was a good show overall. Um, I need to say that, first of all. I don't think there was a... Well, I guess uh, there wasn't a bad match on the card, but there were obviously matches that were better. To me, this next match uh, was the the weakest of them all only because of the interference it had. So it was a North American Championship match. You had uh, Leon Ruff defending against Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest. Bottom line, you had a razor's edge through that little plastic wall covering or whatever to Leon Ruff. Leon Ruff is carried off. He ends up coming back, fighting valiantly, but then a bunch of scary ghost faces come out and so many guys, Damian Priest beats him up, does dives on all of them, and then there's finally one else that one more comes out, hits him with a, a pole, which leads to Johnny Gargano and Leon Ruff in a one-on-one match, essentially, and Gargano winning the North American Championship for the third time. This dude has become the Razor Ramon of the NXT division. <laughs> he he keeps winning that middleweight title over and over. Um, if you remember in the, in the mid-'90s, Razor Ramon is the one... For, I think Jericho has it nine times, so I think he's considered the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. I think the person that made that Intercontinental title feel special for me as a fan was razor ramon like to me as far as longevity goes no one's ever topping honky tonk man's 400 something day reign but razor just the way he carried the belt like it was his it was his it was the right character for that belt the way he had the gold chains and everything and he's a four-time intercontinental champion he's the first four-time intercontinental champion and To me, at at any given time, I associate that Intercontinental Championship with him. You know, so... um, But Gargano is becoming that. You know, this is his third time winning it. At the end of the match, Austin Theory reveals himself to be the guy under the mask. Um, I think everybody called that pretty much. I didn't think... I didn't talk about this, I don't think, after the Indy Hartwell reveal, because I thought that it was pretty obvious who the two were. And I didn't know there were two at the time until... The, the vignette after Indy Hartwell have revealed herself, but the the two people that were pretty much in the storyline already with the Garganos have have revealed themselves, and I wonder where this is where this is going. Um, I don't think they need to change that North American Championship for a while now, but that will be a story. That guard that Johnny needs to win his first match in order to not be a choke artist. So that will be something we'll get. I I think we'll get over it though. I think he'll get that win and get over it. Um, and then have a longer reign with the belt. Um, I'm kind of surprised he took it off Leon Ruff this early, but uh, to each his own, I guess. Um, and finally, 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 the men's war game match. The Kings of Wrestling. Pat McAfee, Birch Lorcan Pete Dunn versus the Undisputed Era, who have been in all four men's war game matches. Um, this was another good match. Now, Undisputed Era have evened their record at two and two in war games matches. Um, these guys beat the hell out of each other. Tables and everything. Uh, <laughs> the, the the Kings of Wrestling, well, I call them the Kings of Wrestling, but um, the brand, Mac, Fat, Mac, uh, Pat McAfee's team, he had tables he pulled out. And they had all the Underspear Era's names on them, which was kind of funny. Um, also, the thing, uh, the touch of detail I liked was anytime Pat McAfee would try to go out, Birch, Lorcan, were like, no, no, we got it. You can stay in here. Because they had the man advantage or whatever. Um, and they tried to do the uh, Adam Cole, they did the EO. Cole wasn't having it. He took out a fire extinguisher and sprayed them all with it. Um, this was a good match. Um, it wasn't my favorite War Games match, but it was a good one. Um and I don't know what you're doing with the team with the brand now, Pat McAfee's team. Um I don't know if you continue this feud. I I don't know how this is working. I don't even know how much longer Undisputed Are gonna be on this brand. You know, I would assume they're gonna try to eject some life and maybe send Red Dragon, Cal O'Reilly, Bobby Fish up there, um, up to the main roster, even Adam Cole and Roger Strong. I, I don't know. Um But the, the second spot that was a chair that was upright is came in at the very end of this match. First of all, Pat McAfee kicked out of a destroyer, which is going to annoy some people. I laughed once I seen it. Um, but then, Adam Cole's going for the kill shot, right? And there's a chair that's up. Well, Pete Dunne stops him, does the bitter end on a chair, like right on his chest slash neck area. First thing I said to myself was, not, he's not going to do this. Like As this is happening, I'm like, he's not going to hit the Baron. He's not. And he did. I was like, oh, my. Oh, I cringed. I, I just cinched up again. And then after that, Yui um, got the pinfall victory. Uh, Kyle Riley actually had the pin by jumping off the ropes, nailing a knee right to the face. I think it was, was Lorkin who was busted open after that uh, for the pin. Overall, this was a very strong show. Um, if I had to rank the matches... Hmm. I think I enjoyed the women's war game match a little more than the men's. Um, so I would actually do the women's war games match, then I would do Grimes and Loomis, then the men's war games match, then the Thatcher-Champa match, then the triple threat match. Um, but they were all good matches. Like I said, the only thing that really bothered me was the fact that it was so much interference in that triple threat match. But you know what? A triple threat match has no rules, so... Whatever I guess. So, um, anyways, that is the show for this week. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Um, this Wednesday, I would love to tell you and plug what this Wednesday show is. I don't remember the last f- month of taping on Wednesday. I recorded that stuff so early in November, and, and in the middle, of, in the beginning of November, excuse me, no beginning and middle of November, that um, I just was like, oh, I I just was on a roll. I uploaded it and it's scheduled to come out. Um, I know last week was a power review. I got some really good feedback from that. Um, but this week, I have no clue. So, you guys will be surprised just like me. But enjoy this episode. I hope you enjoy War Games. I'll see y'all next week.